you know, this is the the mid to late 70s. Things are getting really cool. This is fucking New York City. You know what's going on? Martin Scorsese's making Taxi Driver. New York City is the most alive fucking thing in the world. There is a pulse in the air. This is one of the most fascinating times in our contemporary history. There's so much energy. There's so much blood and life and sex and violence. And it's pre-AIDS and everybody's fucking and we're all on cocaine. And like there's just so much fucking oomph to it. And I got to watch this motherfucker that looks and dresses like this singing still crazy after all these years this is why punk happened this is why the sex pistols became popular this is like the nadir of how shitty and lame things had to become for punk to kick off for post-punk to come in for us to have disco this is a huge misfire i like paul's son in hell a look back at saturday night live with your hosts matt d and keith brought to you by lion's den audio theater like and subscribe to lion's den audio theater for more lion's den goodness and here are your hosts keith d and matt and this is episode two with host paul simon and it originally aired on october 18th 1975 Paul Simon's Keith, can you tell me right away? I'm sorry, I need to know, and I would really like to get you and Dee's opinion of this right away. Can you please address Paul Simon's hair on Saturday Night Live season one, episode two? <laughs> I've never been personally never been comfortable with the mustachioed Paul Simon. Anyway, it, it never looks right to me. D. What is this aesthetic? I'm sure no one asked him to dress this way. He made the choice to come out looking like this, and we all just had to accept it. Dee and I were watching the episode together, and we were like, this is this must be his value village aesthetic. This is a very poor choice on all fronts. And this has nothing to do with the times, because at this era, people still knew how to dress properly. This is Paul Simon looking like a poor person. Paul Simon looks poor. <laughs> So, yeah, we have this episode has Paul Simon, um, also has Randy Newman, um, Art Garfunkel, Phoebe Snow and the Jesse Dixon Singers. Very musical episode, this one. And the show kicks off with um, Paul Simon singing Still Crazy After All These Years. First of all, I'm turning the show on. Let's say I didn't see the other episode. First of all, I'm assuming that this is a Paul Simon concert because I didn't read that it was Saturday Night Live. Second of all, what is his aesthetic? Like, what is he trying to do? What is he trying to serve me? Because it's not what he served me in Simon and Garfunkel. This is uh, this is a very powerful representation of SNL not getting what's going on right now culturally. Uh, whenever I hear "Still Crazy" after all these years, I think of that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Larry <laughs> David missed the Paul Simon concert, and he's sitting there like. Still crazy after all these... He's singing along to Paul Simon. He has to go with, like, fucking Ted Danson's mom or some shit. But I also think that this is Saturday Night Live being tone deaf. Because Saturday Night Live, in episode one, they fucking rocked it. We had Billy Preston, we had Janice and we had two really hot contemporary artists that were kind of doing different stuff at the time. D, I think you nailed it. This is a Paul Simon concert, this episode. Um, I called this Paul Simon and Friends. 
Um, so yeah, Paul Simon comes out, sings still crazy after all these years. Chevy comes out, trips on a stool and gives the opening line. Did, uh, the, you can call me Al video just smack you in the face. I fucking hate Paul Simon. And I did not think about you call me Al. I did not think, remember that Chevy was in that video. Now I'm thinking about it and I didn't want to keep, but uh, Chevy was awesome. When Chevy came out, I laughed, but yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't have to think about that until you brought it up. So (laughs) I shake my fist at my microphone. We go from that. To the uh, opening, uh, we have uh, George Coe and Michael O'Donoghue removed from the credits now. Uh, they've kind of been bumped down. I um, and we come back to, uh, oddly enough, Paul Simon singing with the Jesse Dixon singers, Aldrea, Ethel, and Elsa. And they sing Loves Me Like a Rock. I rated it a 7 out of 10 mm-hmm. because the background singers absolutely make the song without Paul Simon. If Paul Simon sang this song alone, I would literally laugh at his little white ass. I could you not. <laughs> Um, but with the background singers, it really brings it together, and it does give me that energy that I want to see in SNL. Yeah, the uh, the Jesse Dixon singers uh, stole this scene. They weren't background, you know what I mean? They weren't background singers to me. They were like the act. They were. It was yeah. powerful, and yeah, they could have, I know they couldn't drop Paul because it's his song, but mm-hmm. yeah, they were great. Then we go to a commercial for uh, it's <laughs> Jerry Rubin. And the Berkeley co- collection, it's a uh, it's a graffiti-based wallpaper based on uh, hippie and yippie uh, <laughs> graffiti from the 60s. Jerry Rubin, uh, one of the real diehard hippies, one of the Chicago Seven. Well, he was a yippie, actually, the uh, Youth International Party. I thought this was funny. I mean, Jerry Rubin's not an actor. I thought it was really funny. I think yeah. it's still relevant. Like, if you read what is actually on the wallpapers, uh-huh. you can bet your ass those are my Twitter hashtags. So <laughs> I would have been, like, I would have been that consumer that legitimately put that wallpaper up. So I can see, like, the type of person that they were trying to clown on. And I thought it was so funny. This 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 one doesn't really do anything for me. Sometimes the commercials don't always land for me if I... I don't feel them particularly relevant. This this feels like it was probably like a, a funny for New York City at the time or something. This this just didn't resonate with me at all. It, it felt like topical humor that I don't get anymore. Therein lies the generation gap, I guess, with D and I perhaps. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't get it. Then comes one of the uh, my least favorite things about these earlier episodes of Saturday Night Live: random shots of people in the audience with a Chiron saying something that's supposed to be funny. For example, one random woman in the audience is a good friend of David Eisenhower's. Um, yeah, I saw that. I, did, I was like, is that, I didn't even keep that. That was so bad. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be funny. I didn't register it at all. Yeah, I did. It doesn't register as a joke. This, These things pop up a lot. I, I, I mean, I guess they got a reaction at the time. Maybe it was just something to tickle the, the live audience members. I don't remember ever laughing at one of these, but we'll see them for a little while. Paul Simon then sings a short version of Marie. And then we go to Randy Newman singing Sail Away. And whenever I hear Sail Away, I think of Come Sail Away by Styx. Come Sail Away is what came into my head first. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know Randy Newman sang that. Um, But then once it started playing and it came back down to earth, uh, I love Randy Newman as somebody who grew up in the 90s. uh, If you watch Toy Story, like Randy Newman brought you so much frigging comfort as a kid. 
this was perfect for me. Made me feel like I could relate more with the times. And maybe that doesn't matter to everybody, but it mattered to me now in 2021. You know what? We're all friends. I don't need to be polite. I I don't like Randy Newman. I think Randy Newman's music is it's really schmaltzy and it strikes me as boring. See, like what I want to see at this time, like, you know, what's going on at this time? Like Lou Reed and David Mm -hmm. Bowie and Iggy Pop are doing all this like really cool shit musically. So when I see a show that's trying to be cool, they're trying to have like cool musicians on. Randy Newman is not the motherfucker you have on. This is some just really boring poppy stuff to me i want snl not only in this era but i want snl i guess my fantasy snl in all eras is that you're a little more ahead of the curve and sometimes they get it right sometimes you have nirvana before they're a mega star this is not one of the times you get it right you're trotting out established stars that do not appeal to a young demographic and you're like hey this is our cutting edge late night television no it's not this is boring pedantic shit for adults maybe you know you're trying to sell some records maybe you want the the 30 year olds to be buying the records this is not cool shit it's not cool now it really wasn't cool then this is not cool music for the era don't get me wrong obviously these are successful artists i'm not naive i'm not crazy i know paul new paul newman (laughs) i know paul simon and randy newman are fucking mega stars in the music industry there's no doubt about it these men have hits they are talented this is not cool at all this is boring maybe this is going to be a theme for me maybe my nostalgia is going to cloud everything i fucking look at that's very interesting maybe i have a weird filter you know even up to today it's like you know cool cool oh that again snl supposed to be topical this mm-hmm. fucking randy newman and paul simon are not topical in this era it's they're dinosaurs oh i don't know i think paul simon was huge at this point in time exactly but that's my point that's not cutting edge he's no okay yeah be cutting we we want cutting edge in 1975 1976 i want to see i want to see some cutting edge shit fucking show me the guy from can show me the guy from new show me the sex pistols you know i want to see some uh and don't get me wrong i know that this is a little more like fantasy like matt what the fuck are you thinking of course the sex pistols are not going to be on american television this year and and so that's that's a hyperbolic example no absolutely but at least show me david bowie yeah okay i'm I'm really interested to see how this plays out over at least the first season for you this might be something we want to track d and i mean and let me be also very clear i am really invested like the the musical guests on Uh saturday night live are gonna be a big deal for me yeah they're they're always gonna be a big deal they're always going to be a commentary on the episode and the time, and I am always going to take them pretty seriously. Probably too seriously. To me, it's the other side of it. The uh, the host, the skits, that's, the comedy. That's perfect. So that, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, our next segment, uh, the cast, 
they come out dressed as bees. Paul Simon tells them their skit is cut. They walk off. And at 15 minutes into the show, that's the last we'll see of the vast majority of the not ready for primetime players. This was hugely disappointing for me. You said it, man. Yeah. What What else is there to say? This, this is a I'm, I'm I mean, D just gave me a look. This is this is a wild episode. Where is my queen bee? They hinted in the last episode <laughs> that a queen bee was going to be born. Right. And then they come and tell me that nobody cares about it. Speak for yourself, girl. <laughs> the, another thing that got bumped for Paul Simon, I guess. By the end of this episode, like anybody out there watching this, like episode for episode, mm. we've had enough. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I like Paul Simon. I had my fill about 10 minutes in. A shame. And- imagine, like, imagine you're, you're there at the time and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, Hey, that was that was kind of like cool, weird television I saw last week. Let me check that out again this week. And you see a Paul Simon concert. So our next segment is our second weekend update again with uh, Chevy Chase. Um, he's uh, here to keep you up on what's going down. And uh, I really have this as just a bunch of Gerald Ford jokes. Uh, am I wrong with that? Or no, you're not wrong. This is the this is I kind of mentioned in our episode one. This is uh, the, just the topical humor that doesn't work uh, yeah. for me. This uh, and it really it just aged so poorly that uh, it's hard to, to to be into it all now. Ford was president for such a short time. My impression of Gerald Ford is probably ninety percent thanks to Saturday Night Live. I would agree with that. This was just another uh, another list of uh, well delivered but poorly uh, poorly aged Gerald Ford jokes. Like furthermore, like Ch- Chevy Chase, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, either of you. He continued. He was not. He was not exactly on the ball production wise, or somebody was not on the ball production wise for the second weekend update either. There continued no. to be mistakes. Uh, it's fine that you're trying to be a cutting edge show, but like it's not the Dumont Network. This is national mm-hmm. television at this point. Yeah, this was weak. It's it's not there yet. It was. Uh, t- I think production wise, it was better than the first week. Chevy's delivery is not where it's going to get to be. Our next segment is uh, Atlanta Hawk slash uh, former Harlem Globetrotter Connie Hawkins in a game of one-on-one basketball against Paul Simon. Um, This is actually the first time, it's only the second episode, but it's the first time the host does sort of a skit. This was pre-taped. What did you think of this one? I thought it was really funny. Paul Simon's humor is so dry, and I appreciate him more as this, like, random comedian Mm -hmm. uh, than I did his music. Uh, throughout the episode i found it a little bit long but mm. i i really thought the the joke the idea of it was pretty funny they're playing basketball hawkins is a, a pro simon is a songwriter um and Marv number Al- is 0. 0.02 <laughs> that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and marv albert doing a cameo it went on so long and this is something saturday night live will not really understand going forward they do not know when a joke is enough mm-hmm. they and this was funny and it was a funny premise and d mentioned the funny bits but you know we what we touched on in 45 seconds we had to fucking sit through for like almost 15 minutes this was too long they have no <laughs> editing prowess at this point that skit was could have been great and what a funny idea paul simon and a basketball player ha 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 dude that's a 90 second joke this fucking skit was like several minutes. And this is an interesting early example of stop trying to make a 90 second joke. 10 minutes. 
They had to play all of Me and Julio, right? Um, oh that my was goodness! Paul's hit at it the was. Time. <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah, I was like scolding the screen. I just think that this is a problem for them going forward. That you don't know when to quit, and I think sure. this sketch didn't know when to quit. I guess we have a montage. I loved it though. It didn't feel really out of place. I loved it. <laughs> What's that? The uh, the montage, montage the Simon and Garfunkel montage, or yeah, yeah. Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. yeah, it was weird, but it yeah. So yeah, he brings out Art Garfunkel. Garfunkel gets a standing ovation. Uh, it's their first show show together since '72. I don't think that was well broadcast, so it's really like their first time together since 1970, I believe. This duo, basically 50 years of strife, um, amongst some really nice music in my opinion keith was there irl heat between oh. them after this uh yeah there, there was off and on for for many years see what happened was simon was the writer um and and, and a good singer uh art garfunkel was a tremendous singer and a presence. Um, the presence of Art Garfunkel is remarkable. Yeah. I can't take my eyes off Art Garfunkel. He's no, gorgeous. he is beautiful. He is. He has. He's suave. He, everything he does is magnetic. Every what movement, a performer. Every movement. Feels he. Calculated. Yeah. Paul Simon has a Napoleon complex against Art Garfunkel. I believe that entirely. He's writing the songs. He's doing all the work. Art Garfunkel got all the babes. You know, okay, maybe not carrie fisher but do you know what whatever eric garfunkel is such a beautiful man i i don't uh he's i I'm, I'm sorry i'm just gushing about his magnetism but i had never you know what keith to be honest before this episode mm-hmm. um i never i you know musically you don't capture the magnetism of art garfunkel to no. watch this man this is a visual performer i love looking at art garfunkel i can't take my eyes off of him May I send you and recommend to the listeners the uh, I will send you a clip, Matt, later um, of uh, him singing Bridge Over Troubled Water at the concert for Central Park. It is way up there with one of the best live singing performances I've ever seen. The confidence that this man has. Art Garfunkel has what the kids call big dick energy. (laughs) There is an alpha in that relationship, and it is Art Garfunkel. Paul Simon mm. is that guy's bitch, and the body language says it. And and I'm I mean I don't Paul Simon is a tremendous songwriter and a good singer and 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 a fun guitarist and he and he can handle a room. But Art Garfunkel's one of these you know Freddie Mercury one of a kinds. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, but man, <laughs> in case. In case it isn't obvious, I am hard for Art Garfunkel. Matt is uh, Matt is firmly in Team Art as well. Keith, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm not familiar with the rock and roll history here. Mm-hmm. Is, is there Team Art Garfunkel? There, oh yeah, there's fans that. Well, Art Garfunkel is okay. So Garfunkel's become the because Simon went on to have a good career, a very strong career. Art Garfunkel sort of got that uh, the Oats joke. You know what I mean? He's the yeah, which the I think is inappropriate. I'm not. Fair. I don't agree. A I don't feel like lo- Garfunkel is an oats. Garfunkel's not an oats. No, even oats isn't an oats. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, oats but... isn't. You're, you know what? God damn it, you're right. Oats isn't an oats. He's a very talented man. Art Garfunkel is is just a unique talent who uh, who can do things with his voice that other people can't. I don't know to what extent there was strife at this point. It was obviously not as bad as it 
as it got. Garfunkel is a he's a very interesting human being who's led a very interesting life. And and I recommend any interviews with him on on YouTube or wherever you can find them. Um, so, yeah, they go into uh, one of my favorite Paul Simon Gar- or Garfunkel songs and uh, the boxer. And then they go into Scarborough Fair. How uh, how do these performances, uh, Matt and Dee, stack up to you compared to Paul Simon's solo stuff? Uh, so, yeah, the boxer was dope for me, especially mm-hmm. because uh, if you're my age, you probably heard of first by Mumford & Sons. So mm-hmm. it was kind of just cool to hear that version of it. And then Scarborough Fair, probably the same. I, I prefer the boxer of the two songs, but Scarborough Fair, I guess, is... Uh, not their composition, but they do a, a nice version of it. They do the quintessential version of it. Do you ever um, see Cylon and Garfunkel on Futurama? Yes, absolutely. And then uh, My Little Town, uh, not as well known as the other ones, but uh, a nice version. And then Art comes um, after Paul announces he uh, he made me give him a solo or something like that. Paul Art sings by himself the, uh, the uh, American pop standard i only have eyes for you how was art on his own gang i hope he demanded it because it was beautiful yeah it fulfilled me and uh we've had enough of uh simon so i was really glad to hear that and i think he deserved it art garfunkel is a big star i don't know how art garfunkel wasn't a bigger fucking star with the energy that he brought to this episode after the wonder of art garfunkel uh, we go to the muppets again um, I didn't even take notes at this. This was more of the same for me. It's uh, it's not working. It's not. No, you're right. And uh, you know, I I watched. The, I'm quite fresh on this. I uh, I took this particular sketch in shortly before our recording, so I, I remember it quite vividly. And I remember it was like it was like a thirty. You know what? It reminded me vaguely of like a what should have been a like ten second joke in the movie Labyrinth ten years later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah, it's not funny. They're probably they're just trying to figure out how the show works. Maybe they're like, well, is it going to be this? Well, is it going to be that? This was just still on the menu for them to figure out. <laughs> Shit, it's not going to be this. Four to ten, it still wasn't doing it for me, especially when they brought in like um that like totem like character. It wasn't funny the first time, and now you're giving it to me again. Like the totem like, toilet thing. Yeah, you could have had like the puppets interact with something different, but you chose yeah. to do the same thing again. And now, if well, it happens budget. again, I'm I'm gonna be checked out. Yeah, same shit twice. Not yeah. any funnier. So then we go to uh, Albert Brooks' movie. It's a delightful film about child abuse. Uh, oh God. Um, the only thing I found amusing about this one was I, I kind of. It was kind of a precursor to these kids like Ryan's World and stuff that's on YouTube that are basically having every bit of their lives filmed. Lots of people currently living this life right now. Yeah, I can agree with that. I rated it 1 out of 10. Like, what the fuck is this? The same way that I feel when I see those types of family YouTube channels uh, that are just exploiting their kids. It just felt weird. It felt yucky. I didn't like to watch it. It made me question my morals and i don't like to have to do that agree this was not a hit for me uh i liked the first one more uh this one just felt awkward and i i feel like i don't know the details about the production i didn't dig this i think this is a bad fit for the show even though they will snl will continue to go on and do short films and digital films uh when they feel like this uh yeah i I guess i just don't think this was a good one so then we go on to uh, Phoebe Snow, the second, well, the actual technical musical guest. 
singing No Regrets. Um, I thought this was fun. It doesn't work for me, Keith. I still don't think this is cutting edge music. I still think this is dated ass shit that SNL should be trying to avoid because I still think at the time they're trying to be a cutting edge show. As I say this, as I talk it out to you, are they trying to be a cutting edge show? The musical performance was fine. I mean, I'm not saying these people aren't talented. I'm saying that I, I don't, I don't know. I don't like, I'm not into this genre and this is not the platform. I was a 10 out of 10 for me. I just yeah. really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I definitely didn't think as deep about it as Matthew did. Not sure. Um, I just enjoyed the performance. It had enough energy for me. And when it comes to SNL, like, I'm just looking for something that doesn't make me depressed between the <laughs> last act and the next one. Oh, and then we have Gone at Last um, with Phoebe Snow, Paul Simon, and the Jesse Dixon Singers. Um, my only thought on this one really quick is that this is a Paul Simon song, but I wish that it was only Phoebe Snow and the Dixon Singers. Um, I, I thought Simon was sort of a third wheel at his Odin party at this one. I thought that too. Um, okay. Again, like whenever Paul is somebody with somebody else, I always think it's a 10 out of 10. His music is really accelerated by other people. If it was Phoebe alone, I would have been just as happy though. Matt, what do you think? I think that music that is accelerated by other people is better. I mean, it's no secret I've mentioned in episode one. I really like Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa is an example of music accelerated by other people with a purpose. Because Frank Zappa called his band the Mothers because they were, they played like motherfuckers because they were the best musicians. They were bad motherfuckers. These are people that enhance music. Paul Simon is an okay songwriter with the stage presence of an awkward seventh grader. He needs these people. And like he has Chevy Chase in videos. He has Art Garfunkel. He has exciting background musicians. He needs Carrie Fisher. I don't like Paul Simon. Like, that wants to dominate Paul Simon. Frank, he's not like, <laughs> the, like these musicians are covering for his lack of stage presence. It's not like where Frank Zappa gets shit out of musicians that elevates a performance. That's not what's happening here. This is somebody that doesn't have stage presence hiring stage presence. Good musicians enhance the performance of good performers, conductors, mm. composers. This cool. is not what's happening here. I'll fight about it. I don't want to. The Try Hard Battery commercial. A bunch of old people's pacemakers were wired with various batteries and they were left out overnight. One person did have the Try Hard Battery the next morning, the person with the tryhard is not tired. The rest are near death. I thought this was quick, funny, and definitely reminded me of Kids in the Hall. For me, it was one out of ten, and I feel like I'm going to say this a lot. The ableism and the just, like, cheap jokes about old people or people with disabilities, it doesn't do it for me. It's just not funny. Sure. I just thought it was lazy. Like, it didn't, I forgot about it. I find it hard to believe that this is the only filler you have. But whatever, because there's like there's very talented people on the staff, and this is what's showing up on television. You didn't bring back Dan Aykroyd? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think Dan Aykroyd is fucking running the show. I don't think Dan Aykroyd's in charge. I'm sure Dan Aykroyd would be in every skit if Dan Aykroyd was in charge. <laughs> but I am saying that somebody's not seeing what they have. And then we have Paul Simon singing America's, or America, American tune, America's tune. Um, 
it's uh, even for me, it's now it's definitely a bit too much of of, of Simon. Um, it was where's my Saturday Night Live now, you know, and uh, maybe um, uh, Keith, I don't know a lot about the show in this in this regard. So maybe this is just a, this is a sincere question for you, because to me, elements of this episode really do seem tone deaf. Is there any network meddling? in Saturday Night Live in these preliminary stages. Well, well, there is, but also, too, Paul Simon was a good buddy with uh, Lauren Michaels, right? Um, okay. And friends with the cast, members of the cast, or friendly with. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know if this was planned so the, the writers could have a week off, or I don't really know what the logic was here. Other than Paul Simon was, was hot. He had a, a hot solo album out. Um, That's fair. Sometimes you got to play the hot card. And I'm like, yeah. I, I, I haven't done a lot of research about, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the particular climate of the very time or anything. And again, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. I feel like I've said that already, but it did seem a little antithetical to me to, to be doing something this Paul Simon heavy in this particular climate yeah. On late night television in New York City, like, I don't know, it just seems weird and just off base to me. Well, and Paul Simon's base was New York at that point. It was, he was a, so there's a lot going on as well. I mean, it is the second episode. They're still getting their legs and figuring out what they're going to be. But as far as the legacy of what Saturday Night Live becomes, um, I can't imagine like in this day and age, or even even a year after this episode, them them pulling this again. Cool. So then, uh, New York Nick and uh, future senator and presidential candidate Bill Bradley comes out and gives uh, Paul Simon a trophy for his win in the one on one basketball game with Connie Hawkins, and that brings the show to a close. Paul Simon goes through the thank yous. Thanks everyone under the sun, except the, uh, not ready for primetime players. And then somebody from the audience hollers, what about the bees? Um, <laughs> Me? <laughs> which kind of jogs his memory. Um, he does think Chevy chase though. Um, and that's the end of the show. Kind of a flat ending, really. I mean, they're all usually just standing around waving and stuff, but, uh, this was kind of just whatever, right? All right, so here comes the big questions. Uh, let's start by uh, rating the host. Um, I'll, I'll give my thoughts here first. Uh, you know, Paul Simon's Paul Simon. For what he did, he did well. He was definitely augmented by those around him. Um, but this was not uh, uh, this was not a hosting Saturday Night Live as we've come to know it job. And even at the time, it was very much uh, separate from anything else that went on. So yeah, how did you guys feel about Paul Simon? One out of five, one of my least favorite hosts that I've witnessed to date on Saturday Night Live. I had a wretched time. Um, Three out of five. That's generous. I refuse to call him a host. This was a Paul Simon concert with other talent involved. Uh, rating the music. Um, I think we've said it a number of times. Uh, Paul Simon alone was, was meh. Um, Paul Simon with anyone else range from very good to awesome is where i'm at uh, i'm never i'm never sure about uh, randy newman's stuff uh, this is not my favorite randy newman song but it was it was fun for me it was nice to see randy newman but it wasn't in the right context maybe randy should have been a musical guest on a different episode two out of five for me art garfunkel is fine paul simon sure. and randy newman are wonder bread 
and uninteresting music for me. Three out of ten. <laughs> because I love Randy Newman. He three out of ten feel, or three out of five? Or sorry, three out of five. Three out of five. Three out of five. Sure. Um, because Randy Newman makes me feel comfortable. Paul Simon wasn't hitting, but Art Garfunkel was hitting. And I think that Paul did less alone than he did with other people. So I'm going to give it a three. Big dick Art. <laughs> so the uh, uh, turning to the uh, comedy slash performance side, what's the worst bit of the night? Dregs. I just, I didn't care for it. I feel like I was forced to be, uh, sorry, I was forced to watch this unfunny shitty puppetry again i think yeah i didn't laugh at the you know i was a little more forgiving in the first episode about jim henson's bit this time it was just an just a really a bathroom break waste of time this had x-pac heat with me i uh, i watched this episode twice and i really couldn't decide between the muppets or the albert brooks movie I think I'm going to sit I'm going to sit with the Muppets just because the Albert Brooks movie, the, the tragedy of of kids growing up on YouTube is 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 poignant and kind of made the movie a little visionary. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to sit with the Muppets on this one. You're here. Frig friggin Muppets. Um, so the uh, the bit of the night, the comedy segment or line or whatever that worked best for you. Uh, I guess what worked best for me is probably. The chuckles I had at the basketball skit preliminary. Yeah. Uh, it went on way too long, but my hatred of this episode knows no bounds. This is the only bright spot for me, other than Art Garfunkel's giant penis. I agree. I just agree. I have nothing else to say. Yeah, I'm 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 with you guys. The uh, Simon versus Hawkins. I didn't find it went on as long as 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 you guys do, but uh, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was oddly enough Simon at his 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 best, and again he had someone there with him. <laughs> <laughs> you beta motherfucker! And uh, and performance, well, I mean, star of the night as far as 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 far as the comedy side, who's the uh, star of the night for the uh, for the comedic performances? To I mean, you have to give it to Chevy Chase almost by default because he did Weekend Update and he said live from New York. I don't know. Um, that's a hard one for me. I didn't really find anybody like super hilarious, so I don't have an answer for that one. I didn't write anything down. I didn't find anybody to be super funny. I'm going to throw you as a curveball on my star of the night. Uh, I didn't talk about it too much in the thing, but I thought Connie Hawkins in that thing was hilarious in the uh, basketball game. The way he was sort of purposely letting Simon win. And sort of That's like jumping over, yeah. I'm, I'm chuckling jumping as you describe it. Yeah, and he <laughs> also... <laughs> at one, you got it. I don't know. There was just something about him saying chutzpah, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> so yeah. um, I, I am firmly uh, giving my star of the night slim pickings in some way, some ways. But I, I really enjoyed Connie Hawkins. So uh, final thoughts, guys, on this episode. I, I hated this episode. I really hope they figure their shit out like right away. I don't want to sit through another one like this. This mm-hmm. this was bad. That this was s and hell. Honey, I didn't want a concert. That's all yeah. I have to say. I didn't think that I was coming in for a concert, but that's what they served me. Letter-wise, I, I gave it a C. Um, yeah, I agree. 
I averaged it like D for the comedy stuff, like really non-existent or bad comedy. And then B for the music. I'm a bigger fan of Paul than you guys are. The This is an early episode and, and they haven't found their niche yet, but this is a, a devolution from the previous episode. And it's definitely not mentioned in the great episodes. In this one, the comedy takes a huge backseat to the music. And the music is hit or miss. The Muppets are terrible, and Brooks's movies so far are, are crap. This was a Paul Simon and Friends concert with a few breaks for the main acts, except for a fairly flat update and some nice moments in the basketball game were pretty shitty. When Paul Simon goes on to say thank you and mentions everyone except the famous cast, except Chevy, that kind of goes to tell you where people were sitting at that time in the in the mental hierarchy. I just don't think the show in this format would have would have even lasted till Christmas of '75 if it continued this way. So I'm eager to see Saturday Night Live evolve into something closer to what we know and love. It's exciting. They don't know what they got. This episode gets a 6.3 from IMDb users. I mean, obviously, I still think it's generous, but it's nice. Mm-hmm than what the you know it's a it's a you know what at this point <clears throat> i don't i don't know what the the proper terminology is but i think at this point we're almost developing like an exchange rate from our ratings to the imdb ratings uh because <laughs> mine was low and theirs is also lower so i i think i'm gonna take this as evidence that it's popular opinion that this episode is fucking trash um, so now here's uh, the epilogue. What happens with these people? Paul Simon, Phoebe Snow, Art Garfunkel, and Randy Newman will all be back at different points. Yes, Matt Big Dick Art is coming back, and I think he's by himself. We do not see, sadly, we don't see Connie Hawkins again. And uh, Hawkins, um, after a prominent basketball career and such, he actually passes away in 2017. The Jesse Dixon Singers. Jesse Dixon dies in 2011 of cancer. Aldrea Lennox dies in 2015. Ethel Holloway um, died in 2009. And Elsa Harris is still at it. So there's one of the Jesse Dixon Singers still going um, and still making music as of 2019. Hippie guru Jerry Rubin never comes back to Saturday Night Live. This hippie guru later invests a bunch of money in Apple and lives out the remainder of his days as a successful stockbroker on Wall Street until he is killed by a car in 1994. So what yeah, the and fuck, Keith. <laughs> Holy shit. That was an ending. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, everybody jokes about the hippies going corporate, and maybe that's the source of it. So yeah, I, I suppose that's it for episode two, guys. Thank you very much, Matt and Dee. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you very much for joining us for episode two of SN Hell, the Paul Simon concert. It was a lot of fun putting together, and hopefully uh, you enjoyed it as well. Feel free to like and subscribe, drop any comments in our in our videos, and we'll see you next time. Episode three, starring Rob Reiner with his guest, The Lockers, for another round of SN Hell.